You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So let me ask, when was the last time you felt like you got rocked back on your heels emotionally? Doctor says it's cancer. Friend says, I don't think we should be together anymore. The spouse says, I think we're done. Uh, What about rocked back on your heels financially? Uh, Something major breaks. You don't have money to fix it. You're in a world of hurt. Uh, What about rocked spiritually? For whatever reason, you may not even know that you feel discouraged. It's like there's a cloud hanging over your head and your thoughts are foggy and your own hope is fading. And what do we do in those moments? We tend to question God Where are you? I thought you cared. I thought you would come alongside of me. I thought you would take care of me. Why did you bring this on? Why are you opposed to me? Why are you fighting me? You ever felt that? And we go in all kinds of directions in those moments. Maybe there is no God. Or maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God loves other people, but he doesn't love me. Well, you need to know that it's not just us and God. There's a third variable that's absolutely we have to factor in, and that's Satan and demons. You see, we live in a day where through psychology, through reason, through resistance to the supernatural, a lot of folks don't even believe that Satan and demons are real. We simply think that they're fictitious cartoon characters. And we tend to, every time we're rocked back on our heels to question or blame God, this is incredibly important. This is not the way the world should be. Not everything that happens is God's will. There is also God's enemy. And this is important because this is the last word in the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. This will be the final week in his letter. We started Ephesians a few months back. Looking at it verse by verse, and today is the last word from God through Paul to the church at Ephesus, and it's about overcoming evil. Yes, this letter, as we have looked at it, talks about your salvation. It talks about your relationships. It talks about your marriage. It talks about your work life. It talks about your children. But if you overlook, if you neglect the existence and the war from Satan and his minions... It will infect and affect and destroy everything that God is trying to do in your life and in our church. So our section today that ends it is Ephesians 6, 10 to 24. We're just going to read the whole thing at the beginning. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. So here goes. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... 
you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul is in prison. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Final greetings. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. It's clear. There's the church. There's God. And there's this war against God and his people that Satan and the demons wage. You see, Jesus loves us. Satan hates us. Jesus has plans for us. Satan has plans to oppose us. Jesus, in every way, wants to bless us. Satan, in every way, wants to undermine that blessing. It's a battle. But know this, you're not just in the battle. You are the battlefield. Do you know that? Most Christians don't. We live in a therapeutic culture where we call on God like a life coach to be alongside of us and we might ask his advice. He may tell us how to live a better life in this world to get our own glory out of it so that we can be what we want to be, get what we want, do what we want. And in that, it's absolutely demonic. You see, God does not exist to serve you and me. He's not some cosmic genie that's just waiting for us to give him our wishes. You and I exist to serve him. And here's the biggest irony. The closer you get to Jesus, the more resistance you'll get. So this isn't for the faint-hearted. Maybe that's why not everyone's signing up for this. The more you advance toward the kingdom of God, the more shots you're going to take. Think of it this way. Don't be one who says, oh, things are hard. This must not be God's will. The harder it gets, the closer you probably are to God's will. So the Apostle Paul has some strong words for us. It's kind of like military. The commander-in-chief has a message for the forces on the ground. And we understand through our passage that, number one, we've got to know your enemy. Do you know that you have an enemy? 
Do you know that you're not loved by everyone and everything? Do you know that you are hated, despised, and opposed? Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. People are not our enemy. Satan and demons are our enemy. Our war is not against those who might not believe exactly as we do. Our war is against those whom Satan has taken captive. It's against Satan because he has taken them captive. So we need to know our enemy. Here's what we know about Satan. He's not God. He's not equal to God. You need to know this. Satan does not have the same divine attributes as God. God can be everywhere. Satan can't. God knows everything. Satan doesn't. God can read your mind and thoughts. Satan can't. He's created. He's a fallen being. He rebelled against God. He turned his back on God. He declared war against God. He's very powerful in deceiving and being our adversary. He's also been observing human history for thousands of years. So although he can't read your mind, he can read your life and your body language. So friends, Satan and demons are real and they are really at work in this world. But number two, and more importantly, know your king. Know whom you're fighting for. If you don't know whom you fight for, you're probably not going to fight well. The Apostle Paul says it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Who's the Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to know it's his fight. The battle is his. This is his church, right? You're not the king. I'm not the king. He is. It's not our kingdom. We are the servants. We are the soldiers. We labor for a great and glorious king. The question is, how in the world are you and I going to live when it feels like the, the clutches of Satan has us? And he is out to destroy you, your business, your family, your relationships, your ministry, our church. Let me say this. You're not going to make it for a lifetime. You cannot make it for a lifetime. You cannot motivate yourself for a lifetime of war. But there's no shortcut to a lifetime of war. That means we're going to have to rely on a strength that's outside of us. So Paul says, be strong. How? With his mighty power. Jesus is going to need to give you his strength because yours won't do. You get that? You won't be able to serve Jesus for a lifetime without the strength that Jesus brings. You won't be able to love your spouse for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. You won't be able to raise your children for a lifetime without Jesus' strength. You won't be able to be a faithful church member or a faithful Christian leader without Jesus' strength. It's his war fought by his strength, which is ultimately in the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus 
gives us that Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that empowered the war life of Jesus to go up against temptation and exhaustion and opposition and criticism. Jesus sends that same Holy Spirit to empower your life. All God is asking you to do is something that you cannot do. That's all God's asking you to do. Have you ever felt that way? You're like, God, you're asking me to do something I can't do. Good. Now you know your orders. So you look to Jesus and you say, well, how am I going to get this done? And he says, by my power. And you're like, oh. So we need to factor all these variables in. It's not just us and God. Satan and demons are opposed to us, but Jesus will give his strength to us. Once we know all this, we know why it's hard, but we also know why we will win. And life starts to make a little bit more sense. See, you guys thought you were just coming to church. (laughs) You're not. You're coming to go to war. Maybe that's why it's hard to get here. Now, if you're going to go to war, you've got to know your enemy. More importantly, you've got to know your king, whom you're fighting for, and then to know the weapons you have at your disposal. Paul says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And then he goes on to talk about the armor. Now, sometimes Christians get caught up in the intricacies of this armor. Oh, the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what does that look like? What's it made out of? And, and, and then, then this, this, this helmet. Is it big helmet, little helmet? I mean, is it like a, a linebacker helmet or is it like a kicker's helmet? You just got one bar across the, the front of it that doesn't protect anything. Here's the deal. It's not about the armor. It's about you being engaged in battle. But since the armor's mentioned, and you showed up, let's talk about it. He says, first of all, the belt of truth. What's the opposite of truth? Lies. Any lies in the world today? In John 8, Jesus says that Satan is the father of what? Lies. That's his native tongue. That's all he knows to do. Satan is going to lie to you. He lies all the time. And something need not be true to be effective. See, Satan knows that something doesn't need to be true. It just needs to be believed. So he's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you lies. He's going to send you false teachers and bad counselors. And he's going to try to stack and pack your life with things that aren't true. This could be things about God. Things about yourself, things about other people in church, things about the Word of God. It doesn't really matter as long as Satan gets a foothold in your life. Well, now you've got a decision to make. Will I live in light of the lie or will I live in light of the truth? And I've seen this absolutely deliver people and change their life. Well, I thought God didn't love me. I thought that what I had done was so unforgivable. I thought that I couldn't show up at church because once people found out who I really was, they wouldn't want to be around me. All lies. What's the truth? Live in light of the truth. 
Because the truth sets you free. Jesus told us that. Some of you may be like, no, that's not true. And people who have been lied to say things like, well, I feel this is right. Well, that's the problem. You need to think. You need to think through whatever issue it is that's, that's confronting you. Is it true or false? Is it right or wrong? Is it from God or is it from Satan? In other words, does it lead you to freedom or does it lead you to captivity? And be of encouragement to those who are struggling with lies, believing lies. You need to recall the truth. Recount them. Record them. And then over time, those lies will lose their power because you'll be faced with one and you'll say, no, actually that's not true. The belt of truth. Number two, he says, the breastplate of righteousness. What he's talking about here is one of Satan's tactics is to tempt us. You ever been tempted? (laughs) Jesus was. Satan came and tempts Jesus. But in Hebrews 4, we read, we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. We have one who's been tempted in every way that we have been, yet is without sin. So one of of the lies Satan's going to tell you is, if you're tempted, you're already guilty. You might as well go ahead and act on it. But you see, there's a difference between temptation and, and sin. Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. You will be tempted. But if you're conscious of the breastplate of righteousness, you don't have to give in to sin. That is, now you're thinking, you know what? This temptation provides me with a choice. I can resist it and fight it in the strength of Jesus. I don't have to let it penetrate and harm me. Or I can take off this righteousness that Christ has imputed to me, take it off, set it aside, and, let's, and welcome Satan and temptations into my life. This is very important. Jesus died for our sin He gave you his righteousness. You are now righteous in Christ. That's your identity. What that means is, in Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you now have a right relationship with God the Father. And when you fail, and you will, you repent and you come back again and clothe yourself in the righteousness of Christ, wearing that covering of armor that was his that allows you to walk in victory. Some of you, one of the lies you've believed is, I can't change. I'll never change. This is who I am. I just got to accept it. God loves you enough to meet you in that sin, but loves you enough to compel you away from it. That's the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, he talks about having your feet always ready, wearing the the shoes of the gospel. Gospel is good news. The good news of Jesus, our King. The reason you're to be ready is so that you can bring the gospel wherever there's an opportunity. That's what he's saying. Now, we know that at the cross, Satan and demons were defeated, but they've not yet been fully destroyed. This is how it happened. The Lord Jesus came into this battlefield. 
He left his kingdom and came into the kingdom of rebellion. He left his kingdom of peace and came into where there is war. Yet as God took on human flesh in every way, faced all that we face, Satan opposed him. Satan incited others to oppose him. Even demons were brought against him. So the next time you read a story from the Gospels, don't think of therapist hippie Jesus out there giving a counseling session to some other folks. Think of a warrior king who is out to take enemy territory. Religious people, opposition, criticism, all of that against him. It's a battle. And Jesus gets exhausted. Sometimes he falls asleep. His day off gets interrupted. His life is crashed in upon. That's what happens to our king. And then he goes to the cross and he substitutes himself. And he dies in the place of everyone to be a part of his kingdom. He dies to win a great victory. Today the Lord Jesus rules and reigns as a king. He's not in humility as a peasant. He's in glory. He has a kingdom that will never end, and he will come again to put down this insurrection once and for all. You and I need to understand this so that we know our place in it. This is not yet the kingdom of God fully realized. We're marching toward it. Our enemy has been defeated, but not fully destroyed, not utterly disarmed. There are still battle fights. There are still, you know, firefights that rage on. But this is what it means to always be ready, ready to share the gospel so that you can tell someone, compel them away from Satan and his lies to the kingdom of truth. And then he says to take up the shield of truth. And Paul says that's to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, Paul is using this imagery, part of it is from the Roman soldier. They would carry a shield that was made out of wood that had a bronze coating, and then outside of that was leather that was layered on it. In the hopes that as the enemy would send over flaming arrows at you, what wouldn't bounce off the shield would hopefully be snuffed out by the leather. So what are the flaming arrows of Satan? He will haunt you for things that Jesus has already forgiven you for, and all of this will come out of nowhere. He will haunt you with accusations. You're not loved. You're not forgiven. You'll never change. You're a failure and a fraud. Revelation 12.10 says that Satan is the accuser of the children of God. That's us. And he's accusing them, us, day and night, Are there days that it literally feels like it's just raining, flaming arrows? Everything you've ever done, every way you've ever failed, every sin you've ever committed is just raining down on you. Sometimes you can't even see the sun because it feels like all you can see are flaming arrows filling the sky. Listen, that's not God condemning you, opposing you, shaming you. That's the enemy shooting at you. 
That's what's happening. So what do you do? You hold up the shield of faith. No, I trust Jesus. I trust the Bible. I trust the gospel. I trust the truth. And then the helmet of salvation. Every good soldier wears a helmet, right? It's to protect your mind, your your thinking, your decision-making. You got to keep your head on straight. See, you're going to get rattled. You're going to get opposed. You're going to get attacked. Use the helmet of salvation because false teachings are going to come your way. False teachers are everywhere. And you know, the media loves it when they can find someone who can try to refute some parts of the Bible. You're going to be surrounded with false teaching and all kinds of lies and half-truths and temptations and confusions. How do you keep your head on straight? By realizing, I belong to Jesus. And then the sword of the Spirit. And Paul declares what that is. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Genesis chapter 3. The first spiritual battle in the history of the world. God says, don't do this one thing, but you can do all these other things. And what does Satan do? He appears, he comes along, and the first thing he does is question what God says. The first spiritual battle is about the word of God. You see, as long as Adam and Eve hold to the truth of the Word of God, what God says in their hands and in their heart, they've got a weapon to fight against Satan and demons and lies. But as soon as Satan rises to try to take that sword out of their hands, and you know what that is? If you relinquish the grip on the sword of the Word of God to him, it's an act of surrender is what it is. We stop reading the Bible, surrender. We stop submitting to the truth, surrender. We stop going to church and praying, surrender. Just so you know, the sword of the Spirit is the only only offensive weapon that's mentioned here to advance the kingdom of God through the church of Jesus Christ. And we live in a day where people will say, hey, we've got psychology and therapy, and politics. We don't need to hear what God says. We can just love people. We don't need good news. We just need good deeds. And what has that led to in our day? Let's just get away from the name Jesus. You know, at the most, let's just use God, because that sounds generic enough. And let's stop using the word repentance and calling people from sin to their Savior. Let's just not handle the sword well. In fact, let's just not pick it up because as soon as we pick up the sword of the Spirit, the critics are going to appear. Those who are opposed to us are going to come after us. The moment I start telling the truth, it seems like there's a whole lot of resistance to that. Now, those are all the weapons that are mentioned. Paul then says next, how do we acquire these? Through prayer. Paul says, pray in the Spirit. This is so different than how other religions pray. Now, other religions have prayer, but they can't pray in the Spirit or by the Spirit. 
Because you see, the Holy Spirit only indwells God's people. That means as Christians, we have a power available to us that most of the people in the world know nothing about. And you know what? If you don't know you're in a war, you don't think you'll need to listen to the commander-in-chief. You don't want to talk to him. But you and I need to listen to the Holy Spirit because primarily what he's going to bring to mind is the word of God that he inspired. You see, prayer is our communication plan. It's how we talk to God. And through prayer and Bible, it's how God talks to us. It's how God informs and prepares us for the daily battle. And then the thing you need to know about all these various pieces of armor is that the armor belongs to God. In verse 11, Paul says to put on the armor, of the full armor of God. It's his armor. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, these various pieces are described as the very armor that God wears. You see, when we suit up against all that evil wants to throw at us, we are in essence putting on God's protection. Now, one final note. You'll notice out of all the weaponry and, and armor, there's nothing to cover your rear. So if you retreat, the armor does no good. And look, I get it. You and I are going to grow weary of the fight and the constant barrage of guilt and condemnation and temptations at every turn. But don't turn in defeat and run away because it's not about you. It's about what God wants. And you and I can stand in the strength of his might. Let's pray. Lord God, even now as we consider your word, what a welcoming word because we have resources. We have a God who loves us, who stepped off the throne in the person and work of Jesus Christ who went to the cross on our behalf and took on sin and defeated it, took on death and the grave and overcame it and then extends to us the Holy Spirit. And Lord, if we could just imagine every morning when we get dressed, not only are we putting on physical clothes, we are putting on your armor so that we can meet the day so that we can be prepared, somewhat protected, that we not give in and give up, but we count on you and all that you have for us. And this we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.